0: This is a story of a coming king. It's a birth announcement of a king. You don't get that every day. But this story, even though it's a king who will reign forever, has some twists to it. You now God hadn't spoken to Israel for 400 years. For 400 years it had been silent. There's been no prophet that has said, Thus saith the Lord. There's been no priest who had this declarative message from God. There's no angels and no uh, incredible miracles that have been happening here. It's been a time of silence. After 400 years, a silence was broken. In an insignificant town, in the middle of nowhere, to an insignificant girl, the silence was broken. Gabriel shows up. Gabriel's his name means "strong man of God." So if you are envisioning the story in your mind, if you're picturing Mary kind of doing her chores, and all of a sudden this angel comes up, Angel Gabriel is a strong man of God, more like a warrior. This is, this is a strong angel. He's the same Gabriel that we see in the book of Daniel. When Daniel shows up and has these dreams and needs some interpreting, Gabriel's the one that goes and talks to Daniel. Uh, a chapter later in, in the book of Daniel, he's sitting there and he's praying, and you hear this great story of this angel Gabriel coming to Daniel. And this is what Daniel sa- or Gabriel says to Daniel. He says, as soon as you started praying, word went out, and I have come to tell you that you are greatly loved. Then he interprets this message that he has for him. This is the same Gabriel now that shows up to Mary. Last week, a uh, movie came out, Frozen 2. Anybody see it? A few of you, lots of you, yeah. I think if, I'm, if I understand right, this is Disney's first, like, princess sequel like legitimate one. I know there was like Little Mermaid 2 and all that, but but their first big one. And and it came out and of course people across the country go and see it and it brought in great numbers. It's a continuing the story of Elsa and Anna's Elsa has these magical powers of ice and all that and trying to figure out why she has these powers, what they're there for, and of course to save the kingdom. Now, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't tell you much more than that. That's what I saw in the trailers. But, but it's, uh, it's interesting because it's the same story that we've heard again and again and again, right? And I don't mean that in a bad way. It just means that we are, we are fascinated with this story, the story of finding out why we were made and finding the story of hope, right, when things look bleak. We're fascinated with. Whether it's a fairy tale, whether it's a superhero movie, whether it's a space trilogy, all these stories are about this search of hope, finding hope in the darkness. Pastor and author Tim Keller wrote about this topic, about stories. And he said this He said that we're fascinated with these stories because deep in the human heart there's these desires to experience the supernatural to escape death, to know love that we can never lose, to not age but live long enough to realize our creative dreams, to fly, to communicate with non-human beings, to triumph over evil. All these and more are wrapped up in our desires and our daydreams, the things that we think about. We love a good fairy tale. We love a good superhero movie. They lift us Up, They fill us with hope, and they help us to see that the truly impossible can be done. We feel, we resonate, because we feel strongly that death can be avoided in the end, that evil shouldn't triumph, that there's something out there that's greater that we can put our hope in. These are the things that resonate with so many people. That's why we love these movies. Well, today on the first Advent Sunday, we're hearing an incredible story. We're hearing an incredible story which sounds a lot like the other legends that we've heard. The story of an outsider who breaks in into our world with these miraculous powers. He can heal. He can can change nature. He can bring people from the dead. You see, even he has enemies. He has enemies that turn against him, that take him, that beat him, that destroy him. They put him to death. And just when you think all hope is lost, when we put our hope in him and he, we thought he would be the one, he busts forth, he comes back alive, he rises from the dead and saves the world. Some of us would hear that story and say, what a great fairy tale, what a great super, uh, a, a super story. Matthew and Luke, though, they tell the story, and they don't start the story with once upon a time. Instead, they ground this in history, saying the story of Jesus is not just another story pointing to something that we long for. Instead, Jesus is the person that we long for. Jesus is the one that all these stories truly point to. That he is the one that's eternal, who's supernatural, who comes from outside and comes into our world and does the amazing. Our, our heads say it's not possible, but our hearts disagree. We put our hope in him. Today, we want to see that Jesus is this coming king. He's the one who will reign, who will take this kingdom from David, and it will reign for eternity. This is the one we are looking forward to. We're going to look and see that that's the one that we put our hope in. As followers of Christ, that he is the one that we put our hope in. Just as Roosevelt said earlier, what else can we hope for but Christ? So for many of you, you've heard this story before. Some of you think it's, you believe it to be true. Some you're not sure, not sure if it's just a good story or what it is. But I want to encourage you to look fresh at this king, this this king who was born for us, to give us hope. I want us to see today that we can live in hope because Jesus is the king who loves us, who saves us who lives with us and ultimately does the impossible. All this to build his kingdom. We can put our hope in Christ for all these reasons. He loves you, he saves you, he abides with you, and he does the impossible. So let's look at this, let's look at this passage, and let's ask God to enter in and to truly give us hope. Hope that this world cannot give. Heavenly Father, as we enter into this passage, Lord, as we enter into this story. Lord, we pray that you would speak in powerful ways. Lord, that your word and your spirit would come and, and touch our hearts. Lord, that you would truly give us the hope that our hearts long for. You would speak to each person here. Lord, show us that we can put our hope in you for who you are coming, and the reigning eternal King of glory. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. So first point right here we see from the beginning is that you can have hope because Jesus Christ, the King, he favors you. You can have hope because King Jesus favors you. Here in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, here's what it says. The angel went to her, that's to Mary, and said, greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Gabriel, the angel standing before Mary, gives her this kind of greeting that she did not expect. She's troubled by this. What kind of a greeting is this? Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What does that mean? And who says that? He continued saying, don't be afraid. You've found favor with God. What is this word favor? Let's look at that real quick. It comes from this root word that means grace. Right? It's this whole idea of of finding Favor means to be, to be picked out, to be identified, to be shown something, given something that we don't deserve, that whole idea of grace. It carries that same meaning, that Mary, you have found favor with God, not because of anything that you have deserved, but just because God has looked and he's seen you and he chooses to show this kind of grace, this love and favor upon you. In English, the word kind of is, it's more related to that word favorite, which gives a similar but a little slightly nuanced idea. It means that you've kind of been picked out from others, that you are special and you are loved. So, why did God pick Mary to be the mother of the king of this world? Why was she favored? Well, commentators and all the different commentaries have gone to all kinds of ideas. You know, that she was pure in heart and she was a good person, but it could have been. It could have been lots of people. Like, yes, she was in the line of David, but I'm sure over all these years there was others. But for whatever reason, she found favor. That God just said, I see you. I noticed you. And it's not because anything wonderful that you've done, but it's because I'm just choosing to put my love upon you. I'm, I'm choosing to look on you with grace. And Mary is the first one to, to, to really understand and feel what so many people through history have felt when we have understood this word grace. That grace comes to all of us through Jesus Christ. It's God's grace. It's, your, it's his favor upon you. Undeserved Many different ways, but God has shown that He is pouring His grace, His favor upon you. If you sit in here in these pews, if you are a, a child of God, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are favored, and you can literally sit here in this seat and say, "I am God's favorite. I'm God's favorite." How does that feel? feel good say it I'm God's favorite you can say it to your neighbor say to your neighbor I'm God's favorite okay now you have to prove it how do you prove it all right this is something that that parents you know they they dread once they have you know their second kid they know this day is coming right because you know kids they start talking like hey mom likes me more than she likes you no I'm her favorite no I'm her favorite and then they go to mom and what do they say mom which one of which one of us is your favorite Right? And then moms like they still don't have a good answer, but moms will say something like, Well, you're both my favorites. Right? And then kids know, like, that's not fair, that's not right. You can't have two favorites. You know? I got to like side skirt that easily because I had a boy and a girl, so I'd say, You're my favorite boy and you're my favorite girl. (laughs) But they understand that we all understand that. You can't have more than one favorite, but you're all God's favorites. How's that possible? How's that possible? doesn't sound very Christian, that God has favorites, right? If you said that about a teacher, you know, like a teacher in a class, like, oh, she has her favorites, you know, it's like, oh, that's not a good thing, you know. Is that the same with God? He has his favorites, it's like, oh, that's, that's kind of not that cool. But he, here's why we can say this. If you are in Jesus Christ, if you found salvation through Jesus, here's why you can say that and be confident. It's because of this. Jesus Christ is God's favorite. Jesus Christ is God's favorite. He is the one that was born. He was the one that came into this world. He was the one that that lived a perfect and obedient life, who died a perfect and obedient death. That took all the guilt from men from beforehand, before when time began and took that on the cross. He reconciled men to God. He's God's favorite. But Jesus says, if you are, if you believe in me, then you are in me, and I am in you. The Bible's very clear with that. You can't read anything in John without seeing this whole, that we are in Christ. And so here's why you can say that you're God's favorite, because if you are in Christ, Christ is in you, and when God looks at you, who does he see? It's Jesus' his favorite. You're part of that. This Christmas, you can have hope because you are favored by God he sees you he notices you not cuz your good works not cuz anything you've done but he sees you and he says i am pouring my love on you hope comes with christmas finding favor with god that's what we experience at christmas that's the first thing let well, me tell you it gets better there. It's good. It's good to have favor with God, but it gets better because the second thing we see is that you can have hope because this King Jesus saves you from your sins. He saves you from your sins. Now, let me just stop there because if you've been in church for many years, you've heard that and you're like, great, that's good. Yes, we're saved from our sins, but, but can we just stop and think about the power of what that means? The power of this message that came to Mary, that came to Joseph, in this time of silence, this message that came forth from this angel was significant. and Let's not pass by this too quickly. We started in Luke 1. I'm going to turn now to Matthew 1 because we're going to see things from a little different perspective. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew 1. In Luke, it looks at the perspective of Mary. But in Matthew, we're going to see it from the other, another perspective, from Joseph. And starting in verse 18 to 21, you'll hear some of the same things. But with a little slightly different message. In Matthew 1:18, it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law Because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. This is the first interaction that Joseph has with an angel. I mean, Mary had one and it was in real life. It was, she was right there standing before her. Joseph now has this, this, this uh, a dream where the angel comes, but it's a powerful dream. And this message that the angel says is that, Joseph, this is not a scandal that you are to run from. This is a divine act that you are to embrace. Let's not be too hard on Joseph. He's a good man. Right? And he had just heard a story that is very hard to believe. We've heard it many times. But in the whole course of history, when a girl became pregnant and had to talk to her fiance, never ever did she give this story. Right? Saying, hey, Joseph, I got to tell you something. I don't know if she waited and kind of tell, like she started to show or started to feel it or she told him right away. I, we don't know when she told him. But somehow, she told Joseph, she broke this news. And I'm like, what does Mary say? Well, Joseph, I gotta tell you, I'm, you might find this hard to believe. I'm pregnant, but I didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) Okay, can you explain yourself? Okay, there's this this guy named Gabriel. Strong man of God. Okay, okay, great, I get it. I get it, Mary, he's stronger than me. No, 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 you don't understand. Like, he's an angel. Oh, okay, good, he's strong and he's sweet. Real nice. Just, if you like him that much, just go with him. Like, we can be done. Right? I mean, how do you explain this? How, how do you explain it in a way that's believed? And so Joseph's sitting there going like, hey, I can't buy the story. I'm sorry. I just can't buy it. But I don't, you know, you're nice. You're a sweet girl. I don't want to, you know, cause you, you know, public shame. So we'll just kind of do this quietly. I don't try to work it out. I mean, He's trying. That's where God enters into this picture. And again, another angel comes. And even though it's a dream, it's not like I had bad fish kind of dream. This is like a real dream where he wakes up and just says, you're right, everything that Mary said was true. This is a divine act. I can, I can go forward with this. Imagine word that word, that little phrase that he just hears in his mind this last refrain because he will save his people from their sins like this is a big deal you guys remember we just talked about for 400 years or so it's been quiet there's been no no communication from god to man and man to god like there's it's been quiet wanted to be near God you had to go to the temple but ever since the temple was destroyed many years ago there was no way to commune with him and even though they rebuilt the temple after they got back from exile it was still it was just just this quiet time until now because this dream gave Joseph a glimmer of hope as hard it is to believe this is the one that would save not only Israel but save the world Now some say, oh, this whole saving the world idea, again, sounds like a fairy tale, sounds like a superhero movie, you know, I, I, can't, I can't get behind that. It's a good story and maybe it has some good moral values or whatever, but I can't get behind this, this idea that we're like really like enslaved or, you know, we're under some kind of a spell and there's just some, somebody from a different world that comes in and, 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 and saves the world, I just can't get behind that. I get it. I understand. But I see things differently. See, I do see the world as broken. I think a lot of you would agree. I think probably everybody would agree. The world is broken. It's not the way it should be. Some people would think, well, you know, but there's good people. And yeah, there are good people. And some people would think, though, that if all the good people, if we really get together, we can bring about good and we can bring about change, but... I I just don't see it that way. Yeah, there can be some good that can happen. There's been certainly some good changes through culture. But I don't see us bringing us to this point this point of being broken free from just all the, the evil in this world and all the corruption. But the story here in the Bible, though, is that we all dream for something better. We dream, we long. We long for this better world. This is what all the stories are about. This better world is something we long for. Y'all you have your dreams. What do you long for? I mean, some of us, you know, just to be funny, I mean, like, yeah, we, we'd love to see, you know, watch football all day long, or we'd love to shop with ever getting a, a, a bill, you know, or eat as much decadent food without any calories, never going to school or work again. I mean, we all have these dreams and all that, but really, like, what do we long for? We long for this world without pain and disease and evil or pollution, things like that. We, 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 we don't want to see people broken, hurt by others or hurt, you know, internally, whatever. We don't want to see people living that way. We want a world without poverty. We want this world of plenty. But I know that I can't bring that. I'm not going to be able to do that. And I know that you won't be able to do that. I don't think if 7 billion people came together, we would be able to do that. We need someone else. Someone that has the power to do that. When Jesus was born to Joseph and Mary, he gave us a glimpse of someone who was powerful to create this kind of change in the world. Right? His power over nature, the power of the unseen but felt spiritual world, the power over sickness and death, and, and we can go on and on. But he's the one that fulfills God's promise to gather a kingdom of people, to live under God's rule, in a land of plenty, a land of security, where we'll be restored to each other and most importantly to God. He's the one that gives this picture. We can be saved from our rebellion and our ju- the judgment that we deserve. We're given this, this white flag, this, this flag of surrender, this flag of, of peace between us and God. God knowing that this white flag was not cheap. It cost this king his life. His blood would be poured so that we could find salvation, so that we could be renewed, we can be restored to God. This is how I see it. This is a big deal. We talk about this. As Christians, this is fundamental to our, our faith. But yes, we're saved from our sins, but this happened because Jesus came. That not only do we find favor with God, but we have been saved by him. That we, when we're saved, we become his favorite. We're a part of his kingdom and his community. This Christmas, have hope. Have hope because you have found favor and you have been saved. Saved by Christ. And if you have never received this gift, this great Christmas gift, the only gift that lasts for eternity, my my encouragement to you is to find the Savior, Jesus Christ, this year. Put your hope in him. Find favor. Find salvation. And with that, have hope because this King Jesus lives with you forever. The third point. He is the one that will live with us forever. This is the message that the angel gives to Joseph. Continuing in verse 23, still in a dream, the angel still speaking to Joseph. It says this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel. God with us that's important too, given the context. Remember these years of silence, these years where they just waited. Would God respond? Would they ever get a message from God again? They remember this, this, this prophecy from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, that talks about this child being born named Emmanuel. And here in this dream, finally, all of this is coming together. It's coming together for Joseph, saying, That which we longed for, which we waited, which we put our hope in, is now coming, that this baby, this is the one. Emmanuel, God with us. No longer would we be alone. No longer, if we wanted to go in God's presence, would we have to go to the temple in Jerusalem. But now he is here, he is near to us. This is a prophecy that sparks hope that someday God would be here with us again. This comes through Jesus Christ, this baby, this King, who would come and abide with us. Abide, Abide, abide—such a such a personal word, right? I don't abide with my neighbor my grouchy neighbor, but I abide with those people in my family, those people that I love. Right? This message of God coming near to us is not this message we should run and hide from that, oh no, he's coming to get us. Instead, he's coming to love us. God has returned. He's come back through the baby, through our King, shown how much God loves us. Years later, Jesus would be with his disciples and he would add to this story, to this story of Emmanuel, the story of God with us. And in chapter 14 and 15 of John, he's talking about this. He says, if you abide in me, I will abide in you abide in me I will abide in you he says other things similar to this if you love me you'll be loved by my father it's this 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 reciprocal uh, relationship abide with me I abide with you love me my father will be loving you and then he says this incredible thing he says in John 14 he says I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit abiding, dwelling in the followers of Jesus Christ. As great as it was to have Jesus here on earth and to be that one person that shows God dwelling with man, how much better it is to have God dwelling in each one of his followers, abiding, dwelling, never leaving, never leaving you alone. That's what Joseph, what Mary, what Israel was longing for, to have God dwelling with them. That's what they waited for. That's what they put their hope in, that someday, he would be here dwelling with us. You guys, this is a game changer. This is a game changer. Before the New Testament, before this time, people didn't have that spirit living in them. They didn't have that, that ability to be led by the Holy Spirit and guided and, and led each day. It was this time of spiritual darkness. And so when when this message comes to Mary and comes to Joseph and saying, You are favored. You have received God's grace. This child is coming to save you, to save you from your sins. This, this child, this that God is coming to abide with you, to live with you throughout your life. This changes everything. This is the hope. Christmas, without Jesus, without this King, without Christmas, we're unseen, feeling unloved. We're stuck with our unforgiven sin. We're utterly alone, with no hope of God's presence, His guidance. But with Christmas, all that's gone. You are loved and you are favored. You're forgiven from your sins. God doesn't see that any longer. Instead, he sees Christ. He sees the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and you are not alone. Friends, that's where our hope comes from. That's the hope of Christmas. When you hear the story read, you'll hear it in Christmas songs. You'll hear it on, maybe if you watch Charlie Brown's Christmas. (laughs) You'll hear it in church. You have the option to say, that's a nice story. Just like all the other stories. Pointing to something out there, something greater than ourselves, something to put our hope in. Or you can hear it and say, thank you God for answering the desires of our hearts, for answering our longings, for not leaving us here without hope without leaving us alone. Thank you, God, that you are the one that all these other stories point to. This is for real. I know it seems impossible. It seems impossible. How does this happen? Right? Just like going, looking at frozen to and saying you know that's not that really can't happen these girls from scandinavia with these magical ice powers that's not going to happen but this does happen because you know why you know why because this is god's business doing the impossible mary said this right? she said in luke 1 she said to the angel how can this be since i'm a virgin how's this even possible Remember what the angel said? Nothing will be impossible with God. This is what we do. This is what God does. He makes the impossible possible. And it does require faith. This is what Christmas is about putting our hope in Christ, who does the impossible. Thanks be to God that this is no fairy tale. This is a story of hope. This is a story we long for. Found in Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. Amen.